0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain. I'm your host, Steph, and this is a show that dives into health and healing, where we discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Today, we're going to have a difficult conversation about the travesty of school shootings and how to engage your child in those conversations. Thanks so much for tuning in. Obviously, when news of school shootings makes its way around, it's just devastating. It is so heartbreaking to think that our kids might be collectively entrapped behind four walls in the most unsafe context of their life, potentially. And it's a situation where there's so much pain involved, and there's so many tough conversations that have to happen, and we just can't make sense of it. Kids being targeted or kids being victimized in that way is just devastating. And as someone who's worked in the school system for 12 years now, I'm acutely aware of why we practice things like intruder drills. And not just on occasion, we practice them regularly. We strategically think through if there's an intruder inside the building, where do we locate our bodies? How do we protect ourselves? What do we do to possibly be the safest in that situation? And if there's an outside intruder drill, there's a different perimeter that we stand along. There's different protocols. And these are very tangible things that our kids are going through, just contemplating what would I do in that situation. And then over this last week here in Michigan, we once again have just a tragic unfolding of of someone taking a firearm into school and doing just unimaginable harm and violence. And so... A little conversation here about how we walk through that with kids seems pretty important because unfortunately these headlines keep coming and kids have questions and kids are ill-resourced and ill-prepared to walk through these types of conversations unaided. And so I want to give a few best practices, not because I'm an expert, not because there are specific rights and wrongs to do in this situation, but there are best practices that can help kids process through their emotions and not stop them from experiencing at least a modicum of relief. And one of the realities is we have to talk about it because these situations keep unfolding around us. And so one of the very first ways to engage a conversation with, whether it's an adolescent, whether it is a teenager, whether it's a young child, whether it's a young adult, First and foremost, ask them what they've heard. Give them permission to start the conversation. We don't want to lead with big giant explanations. We don't want to lead with grisly or gory details. If our kids aren't even privy to that, I think it's okay. But ask them what they know so you can understand what have they heard, How are they processing it? What's going on inside of their head? And then ask them if they have any questions. And I encourage you, do not make up answers. Do not make up black and white statements. That can be so confusing. Instead, become an investigator with your child. When they have questions about what's going on, look at a couple new sources together, not just one new source, not just try to come up with the quickest answer so we can get through the conversation, but spend a couple moments intentionally saying, okay, this is what it says here and this is what it says there. What do you think about those things? I'm going to come back to the news idea in just a couple minutes here because we don't want to get elbows deep in all of the news coverage and I'll talk through that in just a moment. But I want to make sure that we don't come at it with a posture of I know all the things, here's what's going on, this is what you should know. I think we need to sit alongside of our kids and become curious with them and say okay let's dive into this together. Because for better or worse they're probably looking at data, they're probably looking at information. If they have access to handheld devices when they have peer groups they are looking at this stuff anyway ask them what they've heard ask them what they want to know and investigate with them be very cautious about should statements who should have done this who should have done that how kids should have responded differently how adults should have responded differently there is zero ways to go back in time and change what happened so blame and should statements, what they do is they make it black and white. They make it tidy. School shootings are not black and white. They're just not tidy. There's no way to take it and make it simplistic. So we have to stop trying. Should statements and blame are can lock us into a really vicious cycle of confusion or a really vicious cycle of making things simple here, and it's just not simple. We can't over-explain, we can't give false reassurances, and we have to remind our kids when they ask us what we should do to be better prepared, remind them that that's why schools have made it an intentional practice to work on intruder drills, and students need to be taking that seriously. You know, once again, I'll, I'll share, as an educator, we're acutely aware of what it means to be the adult in. In the room when a crisis happens we are the reference point for students and so when we do things like drills and practices we're very candid with our students about unfortunately the time in which we live we have to take this seriously we don't make a joke out of it we don't make it silly we don't ask ridiculous questions we don't laugh through drills we have a little bit of sobriety in saying yes this is a reality that we have to navigate so encourage your child to take those sort of drills seriously because it is serious and we want to encourage kids to have a little bit of muscle memory. If they're asked to quickly respond in a crisis situation, we want them to be able to feel resourced to respond in a crisis situation. Now, I would encourage you, if, if your child is absorbing this information and demonstrating any signs of distress, continue to check in with them, not just today if they're struggling, not just tomorrow if they're struggling, but in a couple days, and at the end of the week, and at the start of next week, and as we get towards the end of next week, let them be the one to indicate that it stops being as big of a concern for them. Don't assume they've moved on. Don't assume they're past it. Check in with them. And what it does is it reminds them that they have permission to come to us, to you, the family, to you, the parents, at any point to... Pick up the conversation and then drop the conversation and pick it up again and drop it again. It's not a matter of sit down and process through it all at once and get over it. It just doesn't work that way. And I want to make sure that we put responsibility in context. Our kids are not supposed to be the heroes in these situations. They are supposed to be able to look to reference points. They're supposed to be able to look to adults. They're supposed to be able to look to their parents, look to their teachers, look to their faculty and administration. Give them permission to trust the adults in their lives. That is one of the pieces of conversation that has to be most important. As we talk to kids about what is their responsibility in these types of drills or what is their responsibility in these types of crises, they have to be able to look to adults as the reference point in their life. If they suspect something with a classmate, if they suspect something with friends, if they suspect something or are concerned about something, invite them into conversation. They need to know that the adults are the reference points in their life. They should not be secret keepers. They should not try to help out people in distress all on their own. Invite them into conversation. Give them permission to look to the adults in their life for help for concerns if they suspect something is up and we also have to be very candid with all of our young folks there is no way that we can be Prepared for every bad unfolding and every bad situation. But we can have best practices. We can surround ourselves well. We can check in with adults. We can demonstrate kindness. If we see something, we can say something. But the reality is, these types of situations remind us that the world is not black and white. It's not right and wrong. It's not neat and tidy, really bad stuff can happen. And it's terrifying and it's terrible. And because that's true, big emotions will come up and we will have to wrestle with some really hard stuff. Another best practice is please don't take your uncertainty and your fear and your anger and rage as an adult and put it at the forefront when having a discussion with your child. They already have so much uncertainty. And again, they're supposed to be able to look to us as a reference point. Use your adult communities and your adult friendships to have moments of uncertainty and moments of rage and moments of sadness and moments of confusion. But don't take our big emotions, or rather we shouldn't take our big emotions, and put that on the shoulders of kids to navigate as well. If over the next little while you notice that your child is struggling... It's because they have big emotions to process through. Do not ask them to stop talking. We should not be making topics off limits. We should be making time for them to come back to it and set it down and come back to it and set it down as much as possible. Think of the attention span for a six, seven, eight-year-old They might be only able to have a couple sentences about it or a couple minutes about it. And then in a couple days, they might bring it up again. So we want to be flexible with what do they need in the situation. As it relates to teenagers, they can probably engage in several hours of discussion if they're nervous or if they're scared or if they're worried or if they're uncertain. So then sit there with them in that space and have those conversations. And if you don't have the time set aside for it right in the moment, ask them to share what their concerns are and then ask them for permission to pick it back up within a short amount of time. Give them a frame of reference of how long that might take so they know that they can anticipate venting through stuff and processing through stuff. One of the proactive things we can do, I mentioned I was going to come back to the conversation of news, One of the proactive things we can do is limit the consumption of news. Our kids are going to be inundated with facts and information and perspective and opinion. The more we take it in, the more confusing things can actually get for us. When we look at big calamities often... News coverage can contribute to PTSD symptoms for those who are consuming the news, especially those who tune in frequently. Our kids do not need constantly revolving information and perspective. Try to take it in small doses and then strive to limit it as much as possible. And if you are noticing signs of distress, look for school resources, look for local support groups, get them in to see their own therapist. I know this coming week I will have an uptick in my teens talking to me about this topic because it's real world, it applies to them, and therapy is a great place for that. If you're noticing that there aren't resources for your child, perhaps you're going to have to be the voice to advocate for that in the school systems because I assure you we at the school level want to help. There is not a single educator, there is not a single administrator I know who looks the other way at this and says it could never happen here. Now we can have best practices and we can try to ensure that we build community and we can strive to make our schools as safe as possible but I don't believe any of us have the audacity to say it could never happen here because the reality is it's a very real threat and so if you need to be a voice in your school system to advocate for kids having a place to process through this please use your voice reach out to admin if they're not doing something try to troubleshoot with them about what it might look like to meet kids in this space. Because kids must process through this. And unfortunately, these events are not going to just come to a standstill. It's so heartbreaking to talk about the inevitability of these headlines. But currently, that's where we're at. And because that's where we're at, we have to create space for our kids to process through it both in the home and in the school setting. Again, I want to reinforce, this is not me coming from a place of expert opinion. This is me coming from a place of striving to help our kids process through things, and one of the ways we do that is allowing them to talk, not feeding them information, but trying to understand what information they have, try to answer questions as factually as possible, and give them calm reassurance that they have adults in their life on whom they should be able to depend. And if you need to use your voice to advocate for services for your child, please do that. These are sober warnings and reminders that we live in really unpredictable circumstances and our kids are not safe from that unpredictability. As we wrap up here today, I just want to encourage you to hug them closer tonight. As a teacher, I just, I I will check in with my students very intentionally over the next couple weeks. I will create space if they want to have a conversation about it. I, I think it's imperative that we give them permission to move through this at their own pace. Thank you so much for any time you've taken to listen today. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. If you're willing to share, like, or follow, it's all appreciated. Thanks so much, and I hope you guys have a good week.